the pizza party podcast i'm pan pizza and two of our regulars aren't here but we have a special guest and two other guests that don't really matter i'm pan pizza who are you people <laughs> i'm nolan i'm the only regular here gary uh gables i didn't ask you gables i said gary <laughs> <laughs> oh no okay who's uh, gables I... gables explain who you are um i'm a person who is on the podcast uh, I'm Gary. Uh, I wrote Failing Upward, which is online now, if anybody's interested. YouTube link in the description. Yes, and uh, I work for Troma sometimes, and then I, I do some other stuff. So yeah. yeah. But we have a very, very special guest. Who are you? Hello, I'm I'm Carl Greenblatt. How are you guys doing? I'm yes. creator of Chowder and Harvey Beaks and worked in animation on a bunch of different shows for a while, so... It's great to great to be here. Yes, we actually have a, a person who created a cartoon that made it onto TV. Finally, yes. <laughs> oh, crap. But yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, you could bring on Max anytime. Max, <laughs> we'll get Maxwell some other time. Like yesterday, I talked to him and he was telling me about his work on the Blues Brothers cartoon that never happened. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because like, I worked, I worked with Maxwell on Billy and Mandy. Oh right. Oh yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, we're friends. He's he's awesome. So, yeah, definitely get him on. Carl, you did a voice on Billy the Man. Do you want to tell everyone who you voiced? <sighs> Fred Fred Burger. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you just like, I had enough of that damn voice? Why do I have to do that all the time? No, it's it was fun. I enjoyed it. You know, it's a it was a fun character. You know, if I, I recall, was, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just said, he, he, I don't get, look. If you do something and people react to it and love it, why would you ever get sick of it? I get more embarrassed by it. I'm not, but I'm not sick of it. I just imagine people at conventions just always saying, like, do the voice. Do the voice. <laughs> you know, not really. Most, I mean, that's the beauty of being in animation. No one recognizes you. Oh, yeah. So, mm. so no one no one bugs you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I just, it's more I get shy. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But for Chowder, like, I really love Chowder, just m- mostly the visuals of it. I think it's one of Cartoon Network's best-looking shows. Oh, thanks. Yeah, like, uh, what, what? how did the style, like, you know, develop into what it was? Um, you know, it, it, well, it's, I guess the best thing I could say is, like, it started, you know, I don't really do designy style. I don't really do that 2D designy style like you see in samurai jack and Mm -hmm. and and fosters and i mean that's great and i love it but it's not my thing i've always been a lot looser in the way i draw and a lot noodlier and i kind of like stuff that's just a little denser and so i was trying to think like what what could i do that would be visually different and so when it came to the character designs i mean that was those were just things that evolved naturally but as far as the backgrounds i knew i wanted it to feel really kind of almost cluttered that there was a lot going on and it felt like a world with a lot of just noodly detail. And I wanted this sort of watercolor, you know, almost like the movie wizards where the watercolors just blended. We referenced a lot of that stuff. Um, we referenced a lot of Moroccan architecture. We referenced a lot of Indian, um, textile patterns, things like that. And, um, I knew I wanted the pattern fills on the characters. We did a couple tests to see which way would work the best. Um, and there were a couple things that made me feel like it would work. One was, um, 
you know, there was an old uh, cartoon that was a, a Tex Avery cartoon, and this guy had the suit, and as he'd move, it basically moved over the the, the checkerboard pattern. And I remember as a kid just being totally blown away by that. And then um, I don't know if you guys have seen Genkutsuo, um, the anime. Uh, uh, it's like a remake of the um, Count of Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Everything in that has textures. Ah. They do it a little differently. They lock the textures so they move with the characters. But even seeing that, I thought, okay, this idea will definitely work. And so we did a couple tests to get it to work right. And, you know, at first the network didn't like it. They were like, this this is weird and we don't know. But, I mean, to their credit, they just said, okay, try it. And I knew that for as strange as the texture effect was, after a minute, you don't even notice it anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... You know, it was something to me that I just thought I wanted there to be a show that if you're flipping around on the channels and you came across it, you just have to stop to see, like, what the heck is this thing in front of me? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where it started. Yeah. Does that effect have a name? Because everyone just refers to it as, like, the chowder effect. (laughs) No. I mean, we just just called it patterns, you know? And so the way we do it is real simple. Basically, you just make a – you'd – like Chowder's pattern I drew um, and different people's, you just draw um, a Photoshop file the size of the screen mm-hmm. and essentially it's a hole in the character as they move around mm-hmm. the yeah. pattern. And so we would just, you know, we would use clip art, uh, we'd get textile uh, clip art patterns, we would adjust the colors and the saturation, adjust the contrast, pull them down a bit. Uh, we'd find old um, uh, uh, retro uh patterns just you get your hands on whatever you could and kind of mess with it some we drew some were clip art and we would assign it to the character but essentially it was just a full screen image with a hole and 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 because they could you couldn't really do it as easily in the old days but because everything is digital ink and paint they can they can make it work really easily. Yeah, because I remember a long time ago on uh the sh- if you remember the show Kablam there was this short called, oh yeah. Um, what was it called? The Odd Nuts? The Odd... The the Offbeats. The Offbeats, yeah. There was like some kid with a sweater and he had also that effect. And that was the first time I've seen that effect before. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to claim that I invented it, but I think we I think we used it more drastically than anybody else had in American TV, at least. Yeah. You know? one, one thing I find really fascinating that you said is that the network wasn't like for it, but they let you do it anyway, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Like, um, just, I mean, since you've worked on um, Grim Adventures too, did like the network also have a moment like there too? Like, it seems like Cartoon Network is more experimental and they just like let their creators just do whatever. Um, you know, to some degree, but it just depends on the creator. I think it depends on how much, you know, like I know, and you could talk to Maxwell about this, like he had a lot of pushback on a lot of elements on the show. He had pushback on how big was Billy's nose. He had to do all these different things. Um, I remember hearing stories of Powerpuff Girls and people in testing didn't like that they didn't mm. have noses or fingers oh, and yeah. and they had to do all these redesigns. And so, yes, the creator tends to win out, but there's a lot of hoops to jump through because it doesn't mean they're still not scared. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think I think the, I think Cartoon Network now is more open than they used to be. Um, I think they're you know they're they're they've they've embraced to that. Uh, but you know it, it, they when you're when you're in when you're sort of the underdog, you have less to lose, so you take more chances. That's that's a funny way of putting it. Well, I mean, that's true. It's like if you're Disney, 
you you play it safe. You go you go for the mainstream thing. You know, you're you're Coca Cola. That's your brand, right? And you, and every time you mess with Coca Cola, people get mad. <laughs> it's true, right? Yeah, new Coke. And new so Coke. you work within that brand of who you are. If you're Nick, you're sort of in the middle, you know. And Nick is still trying to figure out stuff. If you're Cartoon Network, you're Dr Pepper, and you're you're the scrappy underdog, and so you're trying to. Uh, you know, you can take more chances because you're already in third place, essentially, at that yeah. point back then. So, yeah, it's I mean, that that's that is kind of the business of it. But Harvey Beaks, like I know it's a lot, to, a lot more of a simpler show than Chowder is where you just like it's, with Chowder just it's like. A simple show, but I think it's a deeper show. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think I think it's an emotionally deeper show. It When I came into when I came into Harvey Beaks, I said, all right, you know what? I want to do a couple of things. One, I don't really want to repeat myself. And with Chowder, it was an anything goes. Let's just be as imaginative and wacky as we can be and have tons of fun. And and that was kind of the point of the show. Coming into, you know, Harvey Beaks, which at the time was called Bad Seeds when I originally pitched it. Um, you know, I said th- this to me is a much more focused show. It's it's a it's a more specific sensibility. It's really about capturing sort of this emotion of childhood and it'll still be silly, but it's 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 a it's in a way it's a more mature show yeah um for me and and so that was that was kind of the point of it and so i felt like i didn't need a ton of bells and whistles and embellishments on it because of that i felt like let me focus more on getting to an emotional core and interesting stories and interesting characters um and and hopefully that would you know that would kind of make it stand out on its own Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 a less flashy show, but I you know, but I hope that people at least look at it and think of it as something a little meatier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more character to it, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially with you know, the... I think we treat the character a little more real. Yeah, because I, I I recall with my review, I was complimenting like how the the voice actors work well with with um with the material, I guess. Because I yeah, like you casted like real kids for the for the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it sounds a lot oh, yeah. more authentic that way. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, I to me, it's very much I was going for for like, let me do peanuts, but like funnier. <laughs> you know? And that was that was kind of the goal. It's like, how do I do peanuts but make it sillier and funnier, but still have that that honesty that peanuts had, and in a way, the bittersweetness that peanuts had. Peanuts was never funny. Anyway, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't funny, but it but it felt real. Yeah, it mm. was just like let's let's see how we can torture Charlie Brown today. Oh God, right. Poor little Charlie Brown, man. Just run that guy through the ringer. Charlie deserved everything he got. <laughs> oh, oh, Charlie just, Brown. Let's grow up into a serial killer. Oh, no. No, Lucy's at home listening to her husband play piano, and the fucking lightning strikes, and the silhouette of Charlie Brown illuminates the, I mean, sh- casts a shadow over the fucking living room. Oh, yeah. And you then know, there's a but, knock at the door. But the, the you, know I, you know what I like about Charlie Brown? So here's the thing. Life beats him down, but he never gives up. And I think that's ultimately what makes Charlie Brown not feel like a loser. Oh, it's like he'll still always try for that stupid football. He'll still always try to run the kite. You the know, he, does, he, he knows the futility of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of sad. He's sort of aware of that. But yeah. um, the yeah. great heroes who never give up. Gus yeah. from Berserk and Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah. And Berserk. That thing devastated me. Berserk? Oh, God. I love Berserk. I know. I watched the original anime, and I didn't know what it was in for. I started watching it. I get to the end of it. You know, this is the original one. And then I'm like, how are they going to wrap this up in an episode? What's going on? I didn't know. 
I didn't know. You get to the end of that, you're just like, what did I just see? Uh-oh. What just happened to me? <laughs> Spoiler alert. It doesn't the- wrap anything up. And <laughs> you just lay in a fetal ball for like a week. And, um, you know, then, then I eventually found the comic and you got to read past all that stuff. But uh-huh. that was all I had for a while was just ending on that the, the horror show. Well, now uh, we have the new CGI animated Berserk anime. <laughs> Is that any good? I haven't seen it. No. Oh. I don't like okay. the CG animation. Uh, the, C- the CG in the movies is really good from what I hear, but the CG in the TV show is just directed awfully. Like, uh, from some of the shots I've seen, like, there's a shot of, like, Guts upside down walking forward, which just makes no sense. And then they have all these weird panning shots when they don't need them. And it's just direct- directing-wise, it's fucking awful. Uh, <laughs> And it's such a cool, cool story. It's such an amazing world. It the is. The comics are so beautiful. So, so dark. But man, that series messed me up. I loved yeah. it. Speaking of um, Berserk, though, I told Pan this earlier today. Um, that'll just ruin your day in terms of you being a creator or anything. Like mm-hmm. the guy who wrote Berserk, Kentaro Miura, he uh, was born in 1996. And he got his start in the manga industry at 10 years old. <laughs> And, the, and his drawings were, were, like, almost as good as they were in, like, 1988, and it just blows my mind. Wow. He was born in 1986, a, or what year? 1966. Okay, you, you said 1996. I was like, what the fuck? No, I said 1966. Yeah. Okay. He was born in 1966. <laughs> oh, that makes a little more sense. Okay. Yeah, and then he got started in 1976. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I had a question about Harvey Beaks. Uh, you said the original title was Bad Seeds, and I don't know if Pan covered this in his video or not, but did, like, Nick Cave step in? He's like, no, my band's called The Bad Seeds. You can't have a show called The Bad Seeds. Or no, something. no, it wasn't Nick Cave. It, it was somebody else um, owns the rights. Uh, he, here's the way it works. So, so, and I had to discover all this uh, later on. Um, you know, people can get the copyright to, to names, right? But they copyright it within certain... Um, uh, I guess you say like within certain venues, right? So if you copyright the name within like rock bands, that's one thing. But if you copyright the name within the worlds of children's mm-hmm. entertainment, that's a different thing. Somebody had already gotten the copyright of that within the world of children's entertainment. So the band wouldn't have mattered because they figure people are smart enough to separate the two. But somebody else already said, hey, I'm developing this movie and it's called bad seeds and this was an independent guy and nick approached him and said can we buy it from you and he said no and there was some back and forth so ultimately we just had to let it go damn and then we spent weeks weeks trying to come up with cool names and finally the network just said to me you're gonna call it harvey beaks and i went ah okay i guess that's that's (laughs) what it is so which you know on the one hand i'm like well fine that's the character's name it's it's innocuous enough it's like tofu you know, tofu doesn't have a flavor until you put it with something else. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to turn off anyone. But part of what I liked about having a name like Bad Seeds was it was it was the idea, you know, I was trying to balance the cute look of the show with something a little a little more mischievous. And Harvey Beaks doesn't give you that balance. And I think what happens then is it gives the impression, if you haven't seen the show, that it's younger than it is. Mm-hmm. Um and so we sort of lost some of that element in the name change. But there was really nothing we could do about that. Yeah. Although if Nick went to that one guy and offered him money to take that name away, like, I wonder how much money they offered him. 
I don't think it was a ton, honestly. But I think I, from what I also understand is he he felt like he had something grand that he was going to do with. And this was something he had spent a long time working on. And I don't know if it ever came out or what he did with it. But, you know, that's his dealing. So I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand if that's your baby. Yeah. Um, but one day that'll be released and we can find that guy. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to be part of someone that crushes someone else's dreams. It's like, <laughs> all right, you already had that. And you're doing it. Cool. Yeah. I'm sad. Mm. But, you know, that's I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh for going back to Charlie Brown, uh speak speaking of him as a serial killer, um, didn't that happen in real life? The voice of Charlie Brown became a killer. What? Did he? Yeah. yeah he did. He did. <laughs> yes, like the voice actor, like when he well, he was a child actor at the time, but now uh he ended up killing someone, I think his wife, I believe. The man who once voiced Charlie Brown in some of the Peanuts cartoons has a meltdown in court. I'm withdrawing my guilty plea. Good luck to you. In order for it to be a criminal threat to she has to believe that I would kill her. I wouldn't kill her. I have never had any violent behavior. (laughs) Oh my, Peter Robbins facing sentencing for a series of probation violations when that outburst happened. He's accused of threatening his girlfriend and stalking a doctor who performed breast enhancement surgery on her. The outburst continued throughout the hearing. I hope you drop dead of a heart attack. Wow. Robbins will have to undergo psychological evaluation he is scheduled to reappear in court in august oh god it's true look at well that's not a serial killer that's just oh okay he's a regular killer he's gotta like kill a few more people (laughs) he's a regular killer (laughs) (laughs) he's a killer he's a killer for love he's a newbie killer you know he's not like level 50 guardian level killer you know he doesn't have any of the perks yet no no we all understand that kind of killing. We just yeah. don't get the other kind. Weak. <laughs> Way to let us down once again, Charlie Brown. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is it. This is all you could kill one person lame. <laughs> when did that happen? Because, like, did it, did, it, did it kind of coincide when the movie was released? Or? Maybe. I recall around, like, d- December. I don't know. I, was, I remember I was playing. <sighs> Man, that's, like, right around that time. I only know that, like, it's weird because I remember things based on what I was watching or what I was playing at the time. So I was playing Uncharted 2 the HD cut, and uh, I remember hearing about that. So it was around that I was around that time, which was December. I just hope the news article started with it was a dark and stormy night, <laughs> <laughs> like like it's you hear a thundercloud or whatever, and you see a shadow of Charlie Brown's silhouette, but also his silhouette, the uh, zigzag on his shirt is missing. Yeah, no, it's just a knife in the shape of a zigzag. Yeah, how does that even work? <laughs> Yeah, it's like one of those crazy, I don't know, it's like a really crude dagger. That wouldn't kill anyone. That'd be like, you know. That'd be be really hard to break the skin with that. Maybe he's just got like ape strength. (laughs) All those years and all his rage belting up for his revenge. But but off the, but going back to uh, Harvey Beaks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Recently there was a a two part episode where it was about entirely about steampunk. Yeah. The, the nerdiest of all punks. Like who's like the nerdiest? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, because he had that nerdy character on the show. Um, what was his name? Moth. Moth. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where the, where the idea for like you had the you had the chance to make a two part episode and what made you decide that this will be it? Well, steampunk episode. So okay, so so the 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 origin of Moff was originally when I conceived him, I wanted there to be this big sad sack character who believed in UFO abductions and 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 I liked the idea of a character who believed. He, he he felt like he didn't fit in this world and wanted to go to a different world. And so as the show became more developed, I thought, oh, what if he's into steampunk? Because holy crud, that really is like, you know, I, I, I will admit there is some cool aesthetics to steampunk. I'm not really into steampunk, but it looks fun. But, you know, people who really get into it, really get into it. And um, and I always felt like there's something there of people who who feel like they belong in a different world. And so so that idea kind of resonated to me. I understood that character then and, and I understood how to write him. Um, so, you know, we, we we started introducing him into stories. We had him as Irving's friend. We started putting that in. And then we thought, OK, let's do a story with him that was really about his. We kind of came across this idea that he's jealous of Harvey. He's jealous of his friend who basically grew up and he, he kind of didn't grow up. And that's where the steampunk story came out of. We wrote it as a 22. Um, and, um, you know, Shane Houghton wrote it and, and we, we worked on it. We went on different versions of it. We finally got a story we really liked. And I kept thinking about it, feeling like this thing is too big. There's no way it's going to fit in 22 minutes. We're going to have to just either blaze through it and miss out on a lot of nice character moments or we're just going to have to cut the hell out of it. And I went to the network and just said, Hey, can this be a 44 minute special? And they went, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's what my relationship with Nick has been. If I come and say, Hey, I want to do this. They say, sure. (laughs) So it, it really wasn't them driving it. It was me saying, this story needs to be this and we want to do right by it. Mm-hmm. And so they were super cool about it. Now that thing was a pain in the butt to make. I mean, it was worth it, but we, we essentially made a 44 minute movie that takes place in a completely different world with all new artwork, with all new costumes, with CG models, with songs on a regular TV schedule, mm-hmm. which, you know, you're starting a new 11 minutes every week and they're all overlapping. So it was it was a lot of work, and I'm you know I'm really happy with how it turned out. I'm sad that the network didn't promote it at all and kind of just ran it without telling anybody. That was a that was a little bit of a you know oh, a yeah. heartbreak. But you know for 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 considering that we really didn't have extra time or money to make this thing, I think it turned out pretty good. Mm-hmm. And to have a story where you you know that's about an adult saying to a kid, you know, you're the reason I'm not friends with your dad anymore, and kind of. when we said that we're like holy holy shit that's deep like what would it what what would happen to a kid if you said that to them you know especially someone like harvey who takes things very very much to heart and then has to internalize that kind of guilt and then come around and and realize no this person is just really sad it's not my fault you know like like he just needs a friend and he's lashing out at me and so those are the kind of stories that i was really interested in telling and and to get to do it in this kind of weird, dumb, nerdy format is great. Now, nobody on the show knows or cares about steampunk. Damn. So it was really hard to get everyone to um, add details beyond goggles and gears. And that's part of the fun of it is that's about as deep as it goes. But but we tried. You know, we pulled a lot of reference. We, we had some fun um, images to play with and stuff like that. But it, it didn't really come out of anyone in the show saying, oh, my God, we love steampunk so much. It came out of us saying... 
what's an interesting story about this character in a in a in a venue that felt big enough to justify a big 44 minute event it's kind of disappointing mm-hmm. like i assume like there was someone on the crew that was like a big fan of it and it's like we have to tell this story and <laughs> now you're just saying like no. we don't care about this no. garbage i could not get anyone to and and it's sad when i'm the one going like come on guys like look at all this cool stuff online there's all these images and everyone's just like yeah corsets and goggles we get it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no one cares do the fred fred burger voice yeah that's what i imagine yeah, I, the process being I feel like a lot of times i have to be the cheerleader running around sort of like getting everybody's ass motivated about certain things you know um <laughs> not that they're not excited and they're into it but it's more just reminding them like put in that little extra oomph you know hmm. go go that extra mile for this for this thing that maybe is outside of your comfort zone a little bit yeah because like having yeah. to design that entirely new world and stuff just was a pain. had been a pain, of course. It was a pain. It was fun, and I think everybody liked it. Because you know, after after a whole season of drawing trees, <laughs> I think everyone was like excited to find maybe like, hey, did we get a floating city? Oh, there's like these dirigibles, and there's you know cool stuff, and so that was really fun. Um, oh yeah. You know, we, so you design a whole new world. Um, it's, it's really cool, but it, it, it was a lot. We did a lot of upfront design. Luckily, it was the first thing we did on season two, so we had a little break between the seasons, and we can kind of preload season two with spending time designing it and getting it ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then trying to coordinate four different teams of storyboard artists working on this one story um, where everybody's working on a staggered schedule, um, and you have to start shipping part one before you've re- finished part four. It's, it's a, it's a, it was pretty monumental, mm-hmm. you know? Just just from a logistics standpoint. But it, yeah. it's fun. I'm glad we did it, but I'm never doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I remember like uh, a lot of other ca- cartoon creators like talk about how the, doing the TV movie of any cartoon is always the worst because they have to do it at the same time as their normal schedule. Yeah. So double the work. Yeah, I mean, we, we this was essentially part of our schedule, but you're doing it on the same schedule as a regular. You know, when people who do movies, they get to work on it more holistically. You, you, you spend all the time writing it. You spend all the time boarding it. You look at it. You go over it over and over. Then you move on to the next step, and then you maybe you rewrite a little bit as you're going. But, you know, we're writing, designing, recording, doing the music kind of all at the same time. So I'm standing there with my fingers crossed going, God, I hope this works, you know, feel like this is going to work. And that's basically my job at most times is to just pray uh, at, at some, that it's not going to all, you know, you got a million plates spinning in the air and I have to be the guy who's assuring everybody this is going to work. When I look at stuff, I have to think about how it's going to work in context and how everything's going to come together and how it's going to play as a whole and what you're going to walk away with emotionally because everybody's looking at their one little piece. It's like this assembly line, you know, and all the artists and the writers and the board artists and everybody is kind of just looking very um, myopically at what they're working on. And I'm the one who has to stand back and imagine it all together so you know mm-hmm. sometimes it works great and sometimes it works okay and then once in a while it, it bombs you know mm-hmm. that's the beauty of tv though it's like i always said tv it's not about hitting a home run every single time it's about making enough quality things that the audience is invested and they'll keep coming back for more and that enough of them work that people forgive the missteps mm-hmm. you know I, I sometimes have to get over that myself like i feel that way sometimes too yeah, it's like I feel like everything I have to do has to be an it hit in order to succeed. No, but. it's but that's but you're setting yourself up for an impossibility. 
there's no way that can happen. I mean, you know, think of any show you like typically or, or you know, any output from any creator. And rarely do you think you love 100% of everything they do. You know, it, it, you're no one is flawless. And that and that's a I think that's a fallibility that sets you up for for worrying about making things. You just got to make it and then hope that enough of it is good that people let you keep making it, you know, or that people keep coming back to see it. And and I think maybe I got that that feeling from doing comic strips way back in the day. You know, when you do a comic strips, you got to pump one out every day. This was this was in college. I was doing newspaper comics, um, you know obviously before web comics, but, um, you know, but for me, it was great training because I, I could learn that, wow, not every comic is going to be the best comic ever. And yeah, I even knew that reading other people's comics, but you know, if, if I make good ones and people like the characters and like the world and I make them laugh enough or I, or they're into it, they'll tune in every day and they'll forgive, you know, the ones that aren't as good, but Hopefully there's enough good ones to keep the quality high enough. And, you know, you got to turn out something every day. You can't overthink it. You got to just crank it out, hand it off to the printer and do the next one. And and that mentality, I think, really helps going into animation for TV because it's very similar. You know, you've only got so much time and so much money to make these uh, things. Uh, I was going to ask um, from a writing standpoint, because you mentioned kind of putting in, you know, a topic that might be hard for Harvey to digest um, you know, uh, that like just kind of having another character tell him something that might be hard for him to comprehend. Yeah. Um, like when, when it comes to writing that kind of stuff, I've always kind of subscribed to like the Don blue thing where it's like kids can handle dark stuff because they totally. deal with it every day. Um, totally. like, do you find there's a lot of pushback when it comes to, um, doing that stuff? Because as, as someone who's writing like a web comic that deals with that kind of stuff, I'm like, I really hope younger kids read this because like, I would like them to have something to relate to. I don't feel like, you know, you should have to hold back that much when it comes to dealing with those kinds of topics. Are you talking about pushback from the network? Yes. No, no, no. The, the, the network, the networks, they're, they have a couple of requests typically from us. One is, um, you know, standards and practices. You can't set people on fire. You can't, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's called imitatable behavior. You can't have kids do things on the show that they could easily do in real life and get hurt. So that's why it's like, if there's an axe, you make it a big cartoony axe. If there's, you know, a gun, we make it like a little acorn gun. Um, you know what I mean? We, we do things like that. So I get that. I don't want kids to get hurt. Sure. Whatever. As far as content pushback, no. The the biggest thing we get, and this was more early on in the show, was they would just say like, "All right, just be sure that your third act gets that there's a fun chase or there's something exciting or that there's something happens." Um, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I know. You know, I don't want every episode to just be about people sitting around thinking. Like sometimes you got to have something fun and visual happen. It's a visual medium." Mm. But but you know, we've never had pushback on. You know, like when when I did the episode about the finger, that was a really important episode to me. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but from the very beginning, even before I started production on the show, I had that idea. And I thought, I want to do a story about the, this feeling of futility uh, in the world. You know, and you think about things like Haiti and whatever, where these massive events happen and you can send aid and you can do things. But at the end of the day, you just can't do enough. And and you have to be OK with doing the best you can do and accepting that you're not Superman and you can't always save the world. And I thought that's a pretty heady thing to put on a kid and to have a kid realize something like that. And so I was super excited to get to do a story like that. 
Um, and the network was totally down with it. They didn't push back at all. Um, you know, but what we'll try to do is balance stories like that with then maybe it's followed by something a little lighter and wackier and a little more exciting. And then we'll have something a little heavier, you know, so, so that it, that's the other thing I think with this show is you can't just look at one episode and really get a sense of what the whole series is, you know, because every episode's really kind of different. Um, but Mm -hmm. they really do let me do kind of whatever I want. You know, I said, look, I'm going to do an episode about, um, this character is going to die and, and the kids are going to have to deal with death in, in kind of a real way. And they just went, okay, cool. You know? And part of it was at that point, I think I built enough trust from them that they understood how I was going to handle it. Um, and that, and that's, you know, that's part of the working relationship you have with the network is once they, once they know how you operate and what you're going to deliver, they, they give you more freedom because, you know, it's, it's like anything else. You, you've, you've got an understanding between you. If they give me a note, they understand I'll listen to it and I'll internalize it and try to find the best answer for it. You know, and they also know that, you know, if I feel strongly about something, I'm going to make it as good as I can and deliver them a show that's, you know, hopefully of a decent quality and still entertaining. Damn. (laughs) There's a lot of great info. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, right now, right now we're, we're working on the, the, the finale and it's going to be massive as far as emotional. And they, they, they did not push back. They, you know, I said, this is what I want to do to end the show. And they said, all right, cool. And so, you know, it's it's going to be pretty pretty epic. Jeez, it feels, it's just really yeah. It feels like it barely started. Yeah, I've yeah. been in production for almost three years. Oh, I've yeah. been working on the show for seven years. I was in I was in development for four years. Yeah, and then we, you know, it's it's been a long road. So here's the thing: for season two, only six half hours of season two have aired out of twenty six half hours. Oh, okay. So there's still a whole nother twenty half hours to air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll be airing well through next year. Okay. At least premiering, mm-hmm. you know, airing. That's a whole. That's a whole nother thing. Don't even get me started on that bullshit <laughs> yeah. right now with network. But um, yeah, it, yeah. It's weird hearing like the delay of like the production of an episode and when it finally airs. Oh, it takes nine months to make an episode. Oh, it's I like know. making. A, oh I, yeah, we, we're working about a year ahead of from when we start to when it finally airs. Oh, this yeah. reminds me. I, like a long time ago, like I, I remember watching the show Arthur and there was like a behind the scenes episode and they talk about how it takes nine months to make an episode, which confused yeah. me because that would imply they had to spend like multiple years making one season. <laughs> I had no idea that they worked on multiple episodes at the same time. Right. That's the, that's the same thing I thought when I when Avatar The Last Airbender did that. I was <laughs> like, wait, what? That just, wow, what? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> God, that'd be amazing. You do one episode at a time. Yeah, like oh, any, if at anyone's any making... Point, oh, sorry. No, I said like they're all, yeah, it's all overlapping. We start a new 11 minutes every single week. And so at any point you have an episode in the writing phase. You got one in the boarding phase. You got some in the design phase. You got some in the post-production phase. Multiple ones in each of those. And so, you know, you've got everything going and coming at the same time. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I've seen a few Harvey Beaks here and there. Uh, but I don't know how serialized it is. I can't imagine trying to make like a serialized heavy continuity show when oh. you juggle so much like good God. Yeah. Well, I think you spend a lot of time in the writer's room. You spend a lot of time plotting your whole season out ahead of time. You know, you mm-hmm. really spend that time making your story structure solid, figuring out your character arcs across the season, doing a lot of your pre-design work. Um, you know, we, we work a little more episodically, like I'll come into a season and I'll say, 
here's something important I want to happen this season. Uh, you know, like, all right, so season two, uh, Harvey's sister is going to be born and we're going to, and that'll, now we'll have stories with her. That's typically the amount of continuity that we'll have on this show. Um, mm. You know, there'd be a tiny bit more, but not a whole lot more because the reality is they, you know, if they ran this show <laughs> in reruns, typically what happens is they'll run it in any which way, in any order. So you want people to be able to watch an episode without having to worry too much about feeling left out. I think in a world of Netflix now, it's different. You know, you watch them a little more in order. Episodic shows work better that way mm-hmm. uh, when you can watch it on demand. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I like I like the way that's going. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, but um, going back to the fact that each episode takes like nine months to make. Um, if anybody listening to this is making some sort of behind the scenes thing where they say something to, uh, of a cartoon takes nine <laughs> months to make, please, please make sure to also add that you make several cartoons at the same time. So it doesn't yeah. like warp our minds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I remember there was an episode of, um, if anyone remembers the Disney show, Dave, the barbarian, Oh yeah, it, it takes place in medieval yeah. times, but there was some episode that took that showed a guy in modern day looking at a calendar, and the calendar was like 1998 or something, and the show took, and the show was airing in 2001. So I thought this show took that long to make. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 another reason why I try to avoid putting memes and things like that into a show because it's funny now, but when it airs, that'll be so old. Oh yeah, thank you. you. Try God to avoid you, Carl. Uh, yeah. references Thank and things you. because it's it's uh you know it's funny to us at the time, but it'll feel it'll feel dated. Yeah. You know, everything moves so fast now. Mm. Um, once in a while, once in a while, something will sneak in, but we try not to. Ooh, um, I actually have a question about that. To be honest, um, yeah. so obviously you guys do lots of like doodles and stuff behind the scenes and like all this stuff. Do you guys still do storyboard jams? Um, what do you mean by storyboard jams? Um, there was this one infamous storyboard jam that Rugrats did. I don't know if you heard of it. Obviously not as like messed up or whatever, but it's just like where you toss around a storyboard and everybody keeps adding on to it. Oh yeah. We used to do comic jams like that. Um, yeah, yeah, no, we don't, I don't think anyone in our crew has really done anything quite like that. They've done comics. You know, a lot of, a lot of people on our crew come from doing comics and they kind of work on their own stuff on their own time. Um, uh yeah i haven't really seen anything mostly i just see dirty pictures popping up everywhere uh you know (laughs) hidden on the back of people's doors it's pretty incredible i love it um (laughs) it's so wrong and disturbing the things they've drawn but um what the fuck yeah i i I probably fit right in (laughs) yeah lots of inappropriate character stuff Weird Jeremy genitalia, just what things you don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny how you think like everyone who works in animation, they're all pervs. It's hilarious. Everybody's just you got to you got to let it out some way, I guess. Oh boy. No, I. My dad is like super Republican Christian dude, and he's like, if you ever want to get an honest job, you can't be drawing porn or bad stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my god, half the people you, I know they've, you, they've made money. Are you sure? Yeah, I know. <laughs> what? We, you know. I mean, yourself? you just you just separate it. You know, kids entertainment is what it is, and and you keep that clean, and then people draw their own stuff on their own time. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. That's, yeah. What, that, that's what I do. Like, I have two separate accounts for like dirty, <laughs> disgusting fetish 
junk, and then uh, the mm-hmm. other stuff is good and pure. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, to me, to me, it's like as long as you keep them separated, whatever, man, go do your own thing. It's <laughs> it's like Ian Jones Cordy said. He's like, I have nothing against risque fan art. I love it all. <laughs> yeah, my 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 only thing with that though, I get a little ugh when it's kid characters. Yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would see stuff with kid characters in shows, and I'd just be like, no, I'm not really down with that. Yeah. Especially my characters, because to me, you they have to be kind of real. Mm. And to sexualize them, it just makes it sort of, ugh. Yeah, do, do not go into the Loud House tag ever. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not really down <laughs> with that. Like, you want to do it, whatever, but to me, that's still, they're still kids. They're kids, and I'm not, ugh, you know. I know they're not real, but they're kids, so... Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this reminds me like, OK, I don't I don't draw any of that stuff, but I do like any sort of character that's goth. And r- right at Comic-Con, like uh, this is when I met you uh, yeah. at that booth and like uh, Chris yeah, Avino yeah. was there. And <laughs> like, I just tell him like, hey, I really like uh, Lucy Loud, the goth one. And he just says to me, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, uh, I, he just has like I, I just get the tone that he's just like shut up pan no <laughs> like no. I don't know if he's thinking that I drew anything inappropriate or anything which I didn't no he Chris has a very dry sense of humor <laughs> okay good yeah 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 no if you know him, he, he's 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 very he's he's a cool guy he's a very dry sense of humor <laughs> yeah he's just like shut up pan get out oh no. No, he he loves he loves his fans and he likes to hear that people like his stuff. So he was probably just had playing with you. goth fetishes. Get out! <laughs> Take this autographed comic and get out. Thank you for watching the show. <laughs> you take the moon and you take the sun. You take everything that seems like fun. You start up and then you're done. Rattle, 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 rattle. So Okay, but going back to children's media. Yes. Does anyone have anything else to say about chowder? So we talked about a lot of hearty beaks. I do. Um, I one of the things that I really liked about that show was the the use of mixed media sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was when I was I, I did an event called Trom Anima- uh, um, which was an animated film festival, and we got John Dilworth to come, and uh, we we uh, we talked to him, I talked to him for a little bit. And he said, like, one of his favorite shows on air right now is Gumball, and that was because of the mixed media. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's actually all CG. It yeah, I know. Like that's crazy. Media. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you, like, how do you go about using stuff like that? And, like, what are your, like, opinions on, like, how to use it? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, here's, here's why I did it. You know, again, when I, when I did that show, nobody was doing that. I wasn't seeing, I wasn't seeing anything. And, you know, I would like to take credit and say like, nobody was doing that bullshit before we did it. Um, uh, you know, like Flapjack saw what we were doing and they did it too. And that's cool. And I'm glad that we influenced, you know, them and Gumball and all those people, but it really came out of me loving Sesame street a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the variety of animation on Sesame Street. You would see live action and, and 2D animation and stop motion and all kinds of amazing stuff. And I just thought, let me let me take some of that just craziness and and 
this love of animation in all formats and and do it. And so, you know, we were able to work with this company, Screen Novelties, who does a lot of 2D uh, uh, stop motion animation. We're able to budget a little bit of money for every episode to have them do some shots. And that's kind of how we worked in the puppet stuff and the, and the stop motion and the food wipes and all those things. Um, you know, it was just, it was really exciting for me to kind of be able to sort of make it a love letter. You know, that's really what Chowder was. It was a love letter to all the animation that I grew up on. Um, and so it was nice to, you know, that it got people excited, I think, about thinking more than just 2D animation in kids stuff. Um, and, you know, and since then, you know, I've seen it in a lot of shows and that's, and that's awesome. You know, you see more people using mixed media, you see all kinds of things and, and that's fun. I think it should be, you know, it, it just opens up the creativity of what people can do. Yeah. I, I specifically remember the fucking car wash scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was the best oh. thing ever. That thing we shot that. So that was just me with a handy cam. <laughs> like we had, zero budget it was literally just me saying all right guys so today we're gonna shoot some live action shit just show up and just be ready to do whatever i say and we're in the booth and i'm just running around with the handy cam we were on the building next door on top of the parking garage with the you know it was, it was one of our writers cars that we were washing and um yeah it, it worked out pretty well yeah. it was really seat of our pants diy style for anyone who hasn't watched the episode, um, basically what happened was it was they say, look at what you did, Chowder. Now the animators have no more money for animation and it switches to live action. And we just see all the voice actors in a booth, which was at the actual recording booth that they recorded. Normally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so they yeah. record together. Yes. Yeah. 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 Usually we did. Um, you know, later on, um, Nikki Jones, who played Chowder, he he actually lived in Texas. He lives in Houston, like Houston area. And he would commute out every week. And finally, when I found that out, I was just like, Oh God, no, we'll patch you in. You don't have to fly out every week. Damn. So, um, you know, we, we, uh, in season two, we, we just did it over the phone, which, you know, it's not the same, but at the same time, like he's a kid, I'm not gonna make him fly out every yeah, week. That's, that's crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't realize at the time that parents bring their kids out for pilot season. They don't all live out here that, you know, if you want to see a really crazy movie, watch the documentary, the Hollywood complex. Mm-hmm. I think you can see it on Netflix. Um, it's about, uh, child actors and the whole business of it out here. It's really depressing. Oh, oh my God. But it's totally oh. fascinating. Um, the, the Hollywood complex. Yeah. Give it a, give it a look. So okay. I have mixed feelings about working with kids, but Luckily, in animation, it's much less obtrusive in their lives. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have to come spend all day on a set. They can come in for an hour. We could work them in at the end of the day after school. We could work them in, you know, um, the, the girl who plays Fee. We patch her in. She lives up north. Um, you know, some people are professional actors and they spend all their time acting like Max Charles, who plays Harvey. Um, some kids just are regular kids and go to school. And this is something fun they get to do. So I, I, I feel much less guilty about using the kids because i feel like it's less disruptive on their lives the way we do it and we try to make it really fun and try not to take up a lot of their time you know mm-hmm. plus you you don't have they, they aren't in like the spotlight at all really they're behind no a, doesn't like, it doesn't turn them into crazy monsters <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's just something fun they get to do and brag about and be a part of but they can still have very normal lives yeah mm-hmm. although yeah. yeah it does get a hard if uh, when the voices start to change like, it does. It does. I think uh, Hey Arnold had like four voice actors. Yeah, that's I mean, and that's the one downside. It's like I feel like you can't replicate the honesty and reality of a kid, but they are going to hit puberty. And 
you know, I always said, man, if, if, if your problem is that your show goes so long, you have to recast your kids. That's, that's an okay problem, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's hard cause they're, they're really into it. You know, like our actors are, they really love the show. They love being a part of it. And so, um, you know, we, we had to recast a couple already and it's, it's sad to, to, I mean, they understand the reality of it, but it's still sad. You know, they're, they're really sweet, um, kids and they really get into it and they really like being a part of it, but then they hit puberty and what are you going to do? Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't all the actors who played Arnold go on to play like Wolfgang later or something <laughs> yeah. like that? Like that oh, was the they? cycle. <laughs> yeah, like they they went on like once they were too old to play Arnold, they were the replacement voice for Wolfgang or something. Like I don't know, at least one of them was. Oh, that's funny. Oh, oh, I want to ask. Um, do you know the uh, the uh, fan animated short Choder? Choder? What? It was I this. Like it, is that is that Mustachio or yes. Mustachio oh, Angelo? Yeah. God, yeah. I love his artwork, and that short is hilarious. It is funny. No, it was really funny. Yeah, yeah. it was the, the one where he makes the hemp burger. Yeah, no. I Again, I'm always part of me is always just like, oi. But that's that part of me that's super protective of it, but I still laugh at it, and I still really enjoy it, and I like seeing people who put that much effort and passion into making something. I think it's awesome, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a... Uh, there's that part of you, though, that works. You work in it, and so it's real, and you work within these very specific confines of making a y7 show you know of this sort of g-rated show and then when you see other things being done with it at first your reaction is like oh god no but then you sort of step back you're like okay no i get it that's really funny but it's it's just an, it's a knee-jerk reaction at first you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but it's fun no i love i love seeing what people do and i love seeing fun art and i love you know seeing people who are passionate enough about stuff to to spend their time making something that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah I'm very much of the uh, do whatever you want with the property sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I, um, I know what you said about your characters and stuff, but for me, it's just like, just fuck them up. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, sure. like, you know, I, I, I would rather see, I'd rather inspire somebody to do something mm-hmm. fun than to make them feel like they're not good enough. I'd rather they, they take it and run with it and do something really cool because ultimately I think that's how you find your own voice. You start working with other people's stuff and you start, and then you start to realize what you actually want to do and what you want to say. And then you start making your own characters out of it. And, you know, I, th- I think there's a, I think there's a very a legitimate, valuable process in sort of co-opting other things and, and massaging them into your own. Yeah. There, there was something that I think somebody, I don't remember who it was, but they said that like policing um, creative content is just not like the way. Because when people were upset that like X ship happened or X character did, did this thing, right. people just made their own thing. Like I would like for a personal example, I was really mad in Ben 10 Alien, no, Ultimate Alien, when they did the Ultimate Kevin arc and that they just completely ruined it. Yeah. Like I'm, <laughs> if Izzy was here. But, um, no, I and I was I was just gonna be set and just like make up my own story and fix everything myself instead of just going around like saying the creators are idiots or whatever, you know. I mean, you know, without that, we wouldn't have had the wonderful series. Uh, what is it? Uh, well, Shades of Gray. What the hell's oh, that? Oh, yeah. yeah, Shades of Gray. <laughs> yeah. Excellent I mean, example, Carl. But, but in a way, I'm being serious. Like, you know, okay, that's that was started as fan fiction of, of Twilight, and she turned it into something that was important to her, and it obviously resonated with people. And, you know, however you think about it, whatever, but I think there's legitimacy to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm not a fan of those books, but it is a really inspiring no, story. Me neither. It's, it's neither, really inspiring when you think right, about it. Right, but I'm not going to knock the process, you know? So. One, of, one of my biggest inspirations that I've said over and over again, I think, on this show is not Titan, obviously, but uh, One Punch Man. Oh, God, that's amazing. Yeah, One Punch Man is an incredible story. How yeah. this guy just drew this webcomic that just wasn't like a, a, a like a visual powerhouse, but just right. the writing was so good that like it got picked up by Shonen Jump, and then it got a, one of the best anime adaptions I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh my god, it's just so I know, inspirational. I need to watch Mob Psycho One Hundred is it Psycho Mob? Mob, Mob Psycho, Psycho One Hundred. Yeah, I need to watch that. I'm. I do I'm, too. I'm behind the times now on that. I love one so much. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, that's, that's literally the only thing driving me at this point to make my comic God engine. Just, I gotta, I will get my animated adaption someday. Ah, which that uh, thing started uh, as like some sort of kids next door, uh, fan fiction. Um, <laughs> it actually started as a, a big giant crossover comic and I'll send, um, I, I have the image here, <laughs> obviously. I always have it on standby. <laughs> but, um, awesome. It was I, with Kids Next Door, Sonic the Hedgehog, Sly Cooper. Just literally every favorite thing I had at that time, I just just pulled it out. And it was just a big bunch of junk. It was great. I love it. That's Stop awesome. Emotion. That's the thing. I'd rather read something made with love than something that people just make because they Cynicism. think it's popular, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there it is. I, I remember when I was in like maybe sixth or seventh grade, there was that pilot that aired on Cartoon Network with Kitty Bobo show, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. 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 And I remember I was disappointed that there were no new episodes. And like, oh, I really hope this like makes it because I think it came in second that year. And, you know, it's yeah. not uncommon for a second place to get some kind of recognition down the road. I think. Yeah, I think that was one Kevin Gallagher short. Yeah. Yeah, and when it didn't come out, I just started kind of, I, what I liked about the show was that it was just about interactions between characters and kind of just characters sitting around and hanging out, which oddly enough is you know, kind of what regular show became. Yeah, I, was, I liked that a lot. Ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I would just write kind of interactions between those characters and yeah. kind of because I can't draw, I would just write it. And then later on, it just led me to stuff I like more stuff I liked, like that was like that. I mean, of course, Kevin Smith's movies like were all are like just that, just characters hanging out talking. And that's mm-hmm. what my show is now. And I'm like that. That's such. It is like this weird chain of like what influence can do and where it'll end up. So yeah, I I like that stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. No. We want to know what else was ahead of its time. Hmm. Symbionic Titan. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shot for the Pizza Party podcast drinking game, but I always have to mention it. <laughs> my most cherished symbiotic Titan memory was going to the my first year of Comic-Con 2011, I believe, and just sitting in the regular show Adventure Time panel and some asking some storyboard artist that I happen to sit next to saying, hey... Uh, so what's the story of Symbiotic Titan? And sh- this regular this uh, regular show storyboard artist just tells me, oh yeah, that's never coming back. <laughs> yeah. oh. But but, oh. but you're getting new Samurai Jacks. Yeah, so maybe in 20 years, people. 20 years we'll get a new Symbiotic Titan, you know? The, yeah. the, thi- the thing that concerns me with Titan, though, is that it got written off for taxes. Mm. Yeah. Like, which is not completely undoable, but at that point is like, do you really want to put back the effort into something no. else? I mean, you know, and, and, you know, at some point you just say like, all right, well, what's the new thing Kendi will do? What's the, you know, looking yeah. for other things from him? And, and, you know, Symbionic Titan was his love letter to, you know, the world of giant robots. And 
he's probably got a million other love letters to write to other influences. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you'll see something that will probably be just as exciting. Yeah. Come down the road. So. Yeah, can't oh, wait yeah. for um, Samurai Jack, the final season. T- yeah. For 2016, whenever that's coming out. That'd oh, be crazy. God. Oh, God, we're yeah. in the final. It's not happening. We're in it's the final happening. quarter of 2016. Where is it? Where the- uh, no, they're working on it. I promise you they're working on it. They got they got amazing people on it. Yeah. So coming. I you know, I haven't seen anything, but I know I know the folks over there and, and it's real, so it's gonna be cool. Yeah. 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 It'll be, it'll be everything everybody wants. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't know. I, I don't know, but I know there's I know they know there's expectations and so you know, <laughs> I trust I trust those guys. Yeah. To deliver. Okay. You guys wanna <laughs> Get into the news. <laughs> <laughs> normally we sure. do. The, we normally we do the animation news like the first fifteen minutes, but this was so engrossing that we just went on and on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. You're yeah. you're fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that was Ooh, like you called me fascinating. Ooh, I'm blushing. This is CNN. Let's get into the news, which there's not much, but um. Okay, first, the good news. Hey, so you guys like Weird Al Yankovic? Sure. Uh, okay, that took a, while, took a while to respond. Like, <laughs> I, thought you guys, like you... I thought you were all, I thought you were all like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Dare he make fun of Nirvana? Well, um, the creators of Phineas and Ferb are making a new show for Disney, and it's called uh, Milo, wait, Milo Murphy's Loss, and the main actor is Weird Al Yankovic himself. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a punny title. I but like it. Basically, the idea is uh, Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So it's basically this character walking around. Well, from the from the intro, we don't know much about the show yet, but him just walking around and bad stuff happens to everyone around him. But he's fine, and he's just optimistic about it. So I think Weird Al Yankovic would be perfect for that. Yeah. But do you guys have any yeah. favorite uh, Weird Al Yankovic songs? Mm. Yoda. <laughs> I really like Mandatory Fun, like that, as an album, yeah. not just the individual song. The the first CD I ever got, I got for like Easter uh, when I was like seven, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was Weird Al's Greatest Hits. So uh, it has always been pretty close to me. I, a favorite song. I've always liked the, the title theme for UHF a lot. Mm-hmm. It gets stuck in my head. I love that movie. But uh, my favorite song, it goes back to classic YouTube, because, like, if you were on YouTube when it was barely starting, like, 2006, I just remember someone just made this stupid AMV, like an anime music video or something of Weird Al Yankovic's music, and I would watch that all the time, and I think that was my my first actual exposure to Weird Al, is a freaking anime music video. I'll link to it in the description. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people are in the same boat, like yeah. that, because like there was that whole era where like you'd log on to like Kazaa and like you would just look up AMVs and like half of them are weird out AMVs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or if anyone ever saw like uh, this thing called AMV Hell Three, which is like an hour of nothing but AMVs and music. I mean, uh, movie movie scenes recreated with anime characters. Like my friends had me had me watch that with them back in 2006 and I thought it was the greatest thing ever but now it's just like this is so lame why did I do this <laughs> it was a different time <laughs> so for the bad news uh chow- oh wait I was gonna say chowder gumball is ending mm. not this Aww. season but the next season will be the final season because the creator her has admitted on Twitter that that's going to be the final Twitter, the final, <laughs> the final Twitter. Shit, final the final, Twitter. the final 
season. Sweater sounds like a bad like a bad word. You sweater. But like it's over. Like the 2010s are over. Like regular show is ending now. This like Adventure yeah, Time. Sum up. Adventure Time. Yeah, sum next. Up. Oh. All good things must end, gentlemen. Mm. Yeah. It gets you know it's a it's draining. I get it. It's better to have some a few really awesome seasons than it keep going and getting you know lame. You burn out. It gets hard. Yeah, the Simpsons. You know, it's hard. It's hard to maintain the the schedule of TV and keep cranking it out and not just completely fry on it. Yeah, it, it blows my mind with how many episodes some of these shows get. Like, I mean, Teen Titans go. Like, Adventure Time took only two years to get to its hundred episode. I yeah. Think. Or well, then again, uh, some of those are most of those episodes are only fifteen minutes, so that's really like. Yeah, that's the hundredth. It's the hundredth segment because I think we're <laughs> yeah. we're um. We just uh, shipped our hundredth segment um, Whoa. Mm-hmm. on our show. Yeah, oh, nice. Which is yeah, it's about two and a half years in to do it. That, that's something I always wanted to know because like there was that weird shift from kind of having two fifteen-minute segments to just doing one fifteen-minute segment like per week. Like, is okay. that? Yeah, that's that. Really, they do that. Um, you're still producing it and delivering it um, as half hours. Uh-huh. But, you know, they, I think they decided that if they premiered it as one 11 minute a week, you know, one 15 minute segment a week, you could spread them out and have more premieres throughout the year. If you do them as half hours, then you're going to have big gaps of nothing for yeah. a while. Yeah. yeah. And so it really just came out to like, oh, well, we could spread it out and have lots of new episodes. And people started to accept just a 15 minute block instead of a whole 22 minute block. It's a smart choice. I just like growing up with a half hour like shows. It's just like, oh, this is weird. This is a weird transition to be right. like, oh, it's like oh. 15 minutes. It <laughs> Adult yeah, it Swim like started at first, like back in 20, yeah. 2001 or so. Yeah. yeah. But a Cartoon Network then just started to do their Monday nights and every 15 minutes would be a new episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel oh, like no, Adult I'm... Swim had a major effect on how everyone does cartoons now. Which I want to make a video yeah. on that subject. That'd be cool. So it's over. Yeah. <laughs> Gumball. Rip in peace. Yeah. yeah. Well, you still there's still going to be a ton of episodes that haven't aired yet. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Again, that's the thing. Like, it'll be a couple years before those final ones are done. So even though you hear it now, you got you got a long time before you see the end of that show. Yeah. And that's all the news we have. <laughs> I was going to add, that's like, it? unless anyone has any weird news they want to talk about. No, I was just going to add that Gumball, I, I, I'm going to miss it because it was, it was like one of those shows that just was always really relaxing to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's it could get kind of like manic and crazy. But for, I don't know, just something about just watching a slice of life show about like a cat and his family is, I don't know, it's it's just oddly relaxing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it was always so pretty. Yeah. Yes. The the inner weeb, weeaboo in me was very excited to see an, um something animated by Studio 4C. Yeah, recently there was that anime fight scene from Studio 4C. It's easy to find on YouTube. I'll link it in the description, but they really put a lot of effort into that. Uh, everyone's excited about that. I got really excited for that whole like rap about video games that they did, where it's just like you can't. It's like if you're gonna ban video games, you gotta ban everything else. I'm like, right. I, I like that a lot. I'm like, wow, the show is really a. Uh, the show's really taking a stance. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it started. Let's get it started. In here. And the keeps running, running, and running, running, and running, running, and running, running. I say, don't you know? You say, you don't show. Don't move. Time is slow. I say, take me out. 
in Beverly Hills. Questions, but first, uh, Gables, you had something to promote? Oh, um, well, I am uh, doing a review series with my girlfriend soon. I don't know when we'll have it out, but we have a... What? Oh, Gables, finish. You already made the mistake. Ahead. Keep going. I thought you said... Keep going. Oh, okay. Go. <laughs> well, shit. Okay. Um, it, it's called Couch Potatoes. Keep a lookout for it. I don't know when it's going to happen, but yeah. Also, just before I forget, I'm making a pilot and look out for that as well. I guess link to whatever in the description under your name, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I was going to say Gary, but I said Gables because you're both both of you start with a G, so it's like, oops. Okay. Both start well, with a G. Two people you should not have on the podcast at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gary. Uh, Gary, you had something to promote? Yeah. Um, like I said, Failing Upward is is online. But also, uh, I can't believe I forgot to mention this in the, in the beginning of the uh, episode. I do... I'm um, trying to do a weekly kind of uh, column for um, a, a, a website called The Odyssey Online, uh, or it's just called The Odyssey. If you look up The Odyssey, it should come up. Uh, but it's just about animation. Um, I did a review of Kubo two weeks ago, and then I my latest one was just about uh, animated showrunners and how they've kind of become a more visible presence in, in the industry uh, as opposed to back in the 90s where they were kind of just in the closet, uh, which really sucked. But um, just just about all the cool things they're doing. And then, you know, it's just going to be about animation every week, basically. So if you're interested, uh, you can check it out. It's The Odyssey. And then uh, if you search Gary Schmarkey, it should come up. Okay, but links in the description under your name. Yes, there all you go. Right. So questions. If anybody has a question, be sure to post a question, post your question in the YouTube comments below on this YouTube video. And be sure to start out with the word question so it's easier to find. Now, our first question is by Caleb Lopez. Question, what is your favorite Capcom video game franchise? Is one game considered a franchise? Sure. Yay. Yeah, sure. Okay, so this is obscure as hell, but uh, gotcha force on the GameCube, which uh, thankfully <laughs> two separate people have uh, donated to me, which is good because that game goes for like $100, $200 on eBay. But yeah, it's basically like a Pokemon, but with robots, and you just run around an arena fighting other robots. It's there's like 200 to collect. It's a really awesome game that nobody played. Did you guys? Did you guys ever play Tronbon back on the? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, my my friend had it, and like I remember he was trying to find it again in like the year 2002 or so, and he was like wondering like, how come no GameStop has this game? And we realized, wow, this game is super valuable and rare and hard to find now. Yeah. I know. I don't know what I did with my copy. It was it was so much fun. Loved that game. Like, do you have any games that you're like, wait, this is worth a lot of money? What? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I always saw that game. I, I saw that game for years, like two or three years, just sit at my local KB Toys and nobody ever bought it. And now I'm regretting not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> they discounted it so many times. It was like $20 at one point. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it still holds up or not, but man, it was cool. Because one of the rare I mean, games that I own. <laughs> Hang on. Ice. One of the rare games I own is uh, this game, uh, the 64 game called Bobberman The Second Attack. It's this like space adventure with Bobberman, and I'm like surprised, like, wait, this is worth a lot of money? Oh. Damn. Mm. Um, but, uh, but anyone know any other Capcom games they enjoy? I was going to say uh, Power Stone. Power yeah, Stone Power is Stone. franchise, probably my favorite. Such a unique cast of cool characters. I, I don't think there is a, a lineup in fighting games that I like more than Power Stone. 
Well, also, to just to be, just to name an actual franchise, um, Street Fighter. Like, I don't know all the combos or anything. I just mash buttons, but I just liked all the characters when out <laughs> growing up in Darkstalkers. I think I was more a fan of, yeah, the Darkstalkers than yeah. the Street Fighter designs. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever watch the Darkstalkers cartoon? <laughs> I tried, <laughs> and I didn't make it very far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a time when they were making any video game franchise into a cartoon. Should do a review on Dark Soccer's and Street Fighter cartoon, like oh. together, just the failed Capcom shows. Because everybody kind of remembers the Mega Man show, like it was a thing, but like nobody really ever talks about Street Fighter or Dark Soccer's. Yeah, I mean, right. A long time ago in my like the early years of my YouTube channel, like the first year, um, uh, this was the same year Walking Dead premiered, but I had a, like a a, a three part review of the Dark Soccer's cartoon, and it was terrible. And I'm glad it's lost, but I'm sure it's somewhere on my hard drive somewhere. Survive the cringe. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, I release more of those. Cool. But any other Capcom franchises? I'm going to be really basic and just say classic Mega Man. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. Is, um, is, uh, Devil May Cry Capcom? Yeah. Yes. Uh, That's yes. what I thought. Yeah. That was a fun game. Street Fighter? <laughs> that. I'm going to be really basic again, but. Stop yeah. stealing my answers. How original. Only I can play that oh, game. Guys, don't bully Gables. That's my job. Yeah. Oh, we got another question. Roxy Lynn, question. Sorry for the stale-ass question, but I'm generally curious how you feel about the new YouTube censorship hoopla. Do you see yourself changing your content in any way to appeal to YouTube's new policies? Have you guys heard about this YouTube thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they said they said though that it wasn't actually changing content; it was a change in the way that they were notifying creators. Yeah, that's the good thing because uh, so it didn't actually change anything. Yeah, the, about what was actually happening. Yeah, the great thing is like uh, there's this thing that came about for those who don't know, where it says YouTube's laws say you you cannot monetize and make money off this video for having swearing, talking about current events like war or politics or whatever and all these other things no swearing no violence no talking about violence and like people were freaking out but it turns out youtube clarified and said we're not changing any rules it's always been this way we're just actually notifying you if we're gonna demonetize your videos or not so apparently they've been demonetizing videos without telling the people <laughs> they did so the good thing is nothing's gonna change the bad thing is you just lost a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. Yay. Yeah, so, it seems. Thanks, thanks uh, YouTube. And and it seems arbitrary. So we're safe. Yeah. We can still use the super efforts theme song in the intro. Without <laughs> it. Yeah. So that's good. Next question. Hmm. Oh yeah. X Ninja five five five. Question. What is your favorite dead cliche? Dead cliche? Or just a cliche, just an overused thing. Oh, not uh, a cliche about dead people? Like, oh, oh okay, yeah, I was going to say. They, <laughs> or a they character, really stink. A good dead cliche is when a character dies and someone yells into the air, No! <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was timed perfectly. <laughs> oh, no, I, I scared someone's dog. <laughs> but anyone have a favorite cliche that's overused? Well, pretty much any cliche is overused by the sheer fact that it's a cliche. Yeah. So it's the paper cliche. Okay, but a cliche <laughs> that you would like to use that's like, it's not so bad. Uh, it, there's still life to this cliche, you know? Uh, jeez. I don't know. I don't know if I have one that's 
I try to avoid them, so I don't know. Hmm. Okay, well, one thing I sort of like is when I see in a movie is like, uh, I don't know, uh, like there's a character that's just like, I don't know, mopping the floor and they have their headphones on and right behind them there's always like something loud going on that, that, that they're unaware of and you see that mm-hmm. a lot oops my earphones spider-man yeah spider-man <laughs> uh fast and furious seven yeah whatever the newest one was true lies uh tower heist which that was that was the only time it didn't work was tower heist that nothing in that movie worked but anyone else i, have I don't oh what I don't have like a favorite one because I I do kind of try to avoid them, but I have a least favorite one, and that's best friends ending up as like romantic interests. I feel like it's so overdone, um, and it's really hard. Yeah, Kim Possible. I feel like that was kind of like okay, like at least in animation, I don't think anyone's going to do better than this. I feel like the relationship was was believable enough, and I'm like anybody else is going to pale in comparison to this, at least in my view. Um, so I, I really, I don't like that. Like hinting at it is fine. Like, I feel like just kind of like having those emotions there and making it a possibility is fine. But like, just, it's so re- like John Hughes, John Hughes did it. Uh, I would say it. John Hughes did it perfectly in some kind of wonderful. So I don't need to see it again like that and Kim Possible. I'm just like, those are the two best. Why, why even try to try, why even try again? It's, it's kind of why I hate the Beast Boy Raven stuff where it's just like, how dare you? I know. Listen, listen, hear me out. Like, I don't I don't want to sound negative because I feel like I do that too much on this podcast. But like, it's it's really like there was no other than them kind of having this kind of odd relationship. There was nothing like romantic about that to me. Like him and Tara is much more believable. And I feel like that's why when she dies, even season two, it's really effective. But like with Raven, it's just like they're kind of just foils to each other. It doesn't it doesn't work for me. But I don't know. That's just my just my opinion. Look. If Raven and Beast Boy have a chance, then so do I. I get that aspect. Look, I get that aspect of it. Like, the whole, like, nerd. Don't kill a man's dreams. Man, I'm sorry. But I I, I do understand. I do understand your viewpoint, and I respect it. No. (laughs) Please. I Um, need an edgy GF. Come on. I know I'm going to get so much hate for this in the comments, but it's really true. I just never... I just never bought... I just never bought into it as a kid. I was like, yeah, I I like Raven. Like, I like Beast Boy. It's just like... But they were just maybe once or twice there was a little hint at it. I'm just like I, did, I never really got it. Mm-hmm. It's never really for me. Damn. What about you, Gables? Gables? Oh no, he's dead. <laughs> Gables, Gables some balls, indeed. Well, <laughs> I guess. Oh we man, I've been <laughs> trying to think of a cliche off the top of my head, but oh. I thought we were asking him about like what he thought about Raven and Beast Boy. No, I was asking him about his cliche. Damn. Uh, I've been trying to think of one off the top of my head, but after Gary brought up the uh, two main characters falling in love with each other, like, just, I gotta agree with them. I hate that one so much. It's just so overplayed at this point. Can we have... What do you think of Beast Boy and Raven? Oh, so you're not gonna like it when we have Harvey and Fee fall in love. (laughs) (laughs) Hello? Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, I I, I cannot hear anyone. Hey, Gables, know. I think Gables is cutting out. Don't go into the light. <laughs> oh jeez, I I've spoken so little that the Skype call is kicking me out. Ugh. Oh <laughs> darn! Can- so next question: Do we just ignore <laughs> Gables and just let well, him die? Then, okay, just just let me die. Just let me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you what do you just think about, What do you think about Beast Boy and Raven? I want yeah, I'm honestly us. genuinely curious to hear. Please. We have to have a Skype vote. Like, does Raven and Beast Boy belong together? 
Wait, what about Raven and Beast? I'm gonna fuck this. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's doing fine now. I, I didn't have anything to say about Raven and Beast Boy. Yeah, that's oh. right. Better not Ooh. say anything. Your relationship I, I sucks at the end. I what about Cyborg and Beast Boy? Can we make I'm okay with that. There is more of a connection there. I understand. I, I would agree. They're they're bros for life. Like even if yeah. it's not, even it's like it's just like JD and Turk from Scrubs. It's like the closest you can get to romance without actually going out. Like, I, the, the problem yeah. is how does Beast Boy do cyborg cyborg has nothing no one no, coming i'm in sure he's got an interface somewhere oh, he's yeah we'll that that video. Video. it's like a you know what it is it's a scuzzy he's got a scuzzy port what's a scuzzy <laughs> <laughs> good fucking night everyone no, that's, that's my new band name, scuzzy port. <laughs> oh no and then when they do it booyah yeah it's totally cool cyborg booyah beast boy transforms into different animals for different levels of sex oh jeez. i can't wait for dc comics to implement that because we all know they're desperate enough to try it be sure to watch harvey beaks on nickelodeon the first kids network <laughs> <laughs> this is whatever date airs fridays i don't know i'm assuming nine-year-olds are not listening to this podcast i hope i not. hope not for the I love hope of not God. either i really <laughs> hope not oh my god like if you want us to cut out anything, you know, so Nickelodeon doesn't shoot you. Uh, just I, don't, I don't care. Okay, but so next question. Yes. All right, Wyatt Kurtz. Question: I found out my school has an anime club, and it's about as cringy as it sounds. Nevertheless, it's possible my only hope of finding other animation fans at my school will be that. Should I join in? Yes. What? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't, don't be yeah. an elitist. You can always leave. You can always bug out. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Even if you make one good friend out of it. Look, there you go. I mean, how else are you mm-hmm. going to meet people with the same interests, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, are you go online? I mean, <laughs> who does that? I remember going to my first local convention. I was like, look at these nerds. And, you know, <laughs> you just got to, like, get over your own uh, ego and stuff. Yeah, it's it's, it's worth – you got to put yourself out there. Like I said, you meet, you meet one good friend, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah. And then you can I, judge people silently, and that's important too. Has anyone been to an anime <laughs> club? Yes, I was I mean, in an anime club. <laughs> how'd that go? Um, so I started – I started an anime club um, at my uh, boys and girls club when I was uh, 11, maybe 12. I don't know, something like that. And uh, it was mainly like my friend would always give me anime tapes to borrow like over the weekends. Yeah, like VHS tapes. What year was this? Uh, You're young. This was... Yeah, that was yeah. that was all I had back in the day. I'm, here's the thing: I'm 27. A lot of people seem to think like I'm 23, which is really weird. Like they think I'm younger than I actually am. But like it was around like 2000, like 1999 when I was doing this. So I was like 11 or like 10 or something like that. And um, the first thing we watched uh, was uh, the Sonic OVA, which is a piece of garbage. Um, <laughs> Fuck you. You know, I mean, like when you're. Motherfucker! <laughs> Knuckles flies. He has a cowboy hat for some reason. Tails sounds well, stupid. I, when you're when you are a kid, that is that is like amazing to be like, oh my god, there's something that's not the animated series or Sonic Underground, and it's like, oh, this is awesome. But as I got older, I'm like, these voices are terrible. Um, <laughs> then watch it but, in the Japanese dub. Okay, fine. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Listen. Okay. So we you had that. Have a meltdown. We had that. Jesus, we had that and that went fine. Uh, the next week we did the Tekken anime, which has nudity in it, and somebody just happened to pass by the room as they see like 
Is it like Nina taking a shower or something? And immediately, like, they turned it off and they're like, no, you guys are going home now. Oh. And then we did like a bunch of stuff after. I think we only did it like six or seven times. But it was, look, I mean, like, here's the thing. And this is to that person who asked that question. Like, do it because, like, you will meet people that you have something in common with. Like, it's yeah. so much, it is, it's such a different experience in socializing online. I feel like you, that human connection, to have something in common with somebody in person is like really cool because yeah. it, 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 if, if nothing, it'll help like social skills. Like I, and I don't mean to say that. Yeah. Please bathe before you go. Yeah. Yes. Deodorant. Please. Yes. Please. Yeah. Um, mention but, on the Sonic OVA though, I spent $85 to get the out of print DVD. That's how much I love it. $85. Give it something. It has a really good ending theme song. I like that song a lot. Oh. That's good music period. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, okay. I we, we can come. We, we can agree on that. <laughs> but is, so, any other anime club experiences? Uh, I keep seeing the poster for my anime club at my college, and uh, it's just uh, the words "anime club" with a bunch of like stock art of anime characters in the letters. And I'm like, wow! If they they put this much effort into the poster, then I can't imagine how the actual club is like. <laughs> no, Give you know what chance. it is. You know what that is. That's like one of those fish that's deep down below that has a light on the front of its head that lures you in. It's probably an ultra Christian group Uh and you show up and then they start showing you Jesus videos. That's totally what that is. They know they're going to bring in those people. Time to watch Bible, man. (laughs) That reminds me of when I went to AX and there was a big Bible protest. So I was like, screw this. I stole all their Bibles. What? What you do with all their Bibles? I threw them away. What the fuck? Oh, Wow. You could have given them to, like, kids in Africa or something. Oh, what are they going to do with them? Build a house? Maybe. <laughs> you know, what else do you got? You know? You know? I mean... Older Bibles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were they were trying to tell us that we were all heathens and we're going to hell, so I was like, I am buying this. Every convention does that. <laughs> There's always someone yeah. protesting. There's always some guy there. The, the best thing, though, is that there was the, I, I live near the Triad Anime Convention and I missed this by a fucking day and I got so mad. Fucking Vic Mignogna, the voice of Edward Elric, like <laughs> went off and ranted against those protesters. And he was so mad. What? And he was like, there's the videos on YouTube. Oh, my God. And I, li- I was literally there like a day later <laughs> and he's just ranting. This is not what God would preach. Blah, blah, blah. Holy shit. Why don't you preach love and teach these kids about Christian goodness and whatever? It was so funny. Because <laughs> oh. you just hear it in Edward Elric's voice. It is God's love that draws that people to it for repentance, sick. not hatred and wrath and judgment. It's God's sick. love and she desire for them that draws them to him. And you guys, if you have any desire to reach these people for God, you should be telling them about his love for them. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Fires of hell wait for you, sir. And you know what, brother? God loves these people as much as he loves you. Jesus hard people to religious people. No, I'm not, brother. Jesus. I've been studying the word of God as long as you have. Like, literally. Pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled, God loves these people as much as he loves you. And that's the message you should be teaching them. Oh, man, did someone get, like, clips of the the anime and just dubbed it over? Oh, God. Please. Please. I love when people do that. I I I, do, I, I love that one where they took um, a clip from Static Shock and they put it over uh, an extremely goofy movie. 
I didn't mean for it to turn out this way, Max. I was just trying to get closer to you. My best friend's gone because of you and your stupid racism. I hate you! Uh, where it's just like, um, it's Richie from Static Shock calling his dad a racist, but it said it's just Max calling Goofy a racist. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, nobody's ever seen this? Yes, I saw no. it. I can link it. Crap, my Firefox is not on. Oh, man. I, just, just to close out the anime club thing, I did, this wasn't an anime club, but I wish this had gone on longer because I met a lot of cool people there. Um, at my college, we had... Um, like an MST3K club, but it wasn't like we would watch MST3K. We would just watch bad movies and scream at the uh, screen, like just rant off. Like it's like I wish there was more stuff like that. I just love clubs that involve like social interaction and stuff like that. Like those are my favorite. That's why I started playing D&D because it's just like, I don't know. It, it's just fun to escape for like two or three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with real people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Carl, you play traditional board games. Uh, what's your experience with that? <laughs> Uh, my experience? Well, uh, no, just like, what do you play? Involves me getting together with friends, uh, forcing coworkers to play stuff. <laughs> That's the beauty of being the boss. You're like, hey, everybody, guess what? We're going to play a board game. And they're like, well, I guess we have to do it. Carl said so. God damn so, um, <laughs> D&D. Why, why, why do we have to uh, play like, D&D? Why can't you just do the voice again, you asshole? <laughs> no, the people will play D and D. I mean, it was you know we would get we would get together. We'd all play um, One Night Ultimate Werewolf. We'd play Coup. Uh-huh. We'd play uh, stuff like that. You know, towards the end of the day, um, it'd be honestly it was sort of a good. I mean, I know this sounds shitty to say team building, but in a way, it it got everybody comfortable and familiar with each other. Mm-hmm. And it it and that wasn't even really the the goal. It just sort of happened because of that. But it created a camaraderie among the crew that I think was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now, yeah, I'll, I'll get together with different groups of friends. Um, every, maybe like every other week we'll do a game night. I, I really like it. Um, yeah, yeah I've really gotten into just different kinds of board games. I really, I really have fun. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what it is, but, uh, but something about them clicked with me and I dig it. Is that your process now for like uh, getting to know uh, new crew members? Cause like when you get on a new show, like not everyone working on there is going to be someone you're familiar no. with. No, not at all. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's a process, but it definitely became an indoctrination on our show. You know, people hadn't played werewolf yet. We're like, well, you got to play werewolf with us. You got to do it. And, um, very, I don't know. Most people seem to really like it. I don't know many people who didn't, we didn't force anybody, but we'd at least be like, Hey, try it once. See what you think. Um, you know, you find out who's a really good liar and who's not, uh, by playing that. Uh, but you know, the thing I like about those games is, is yeah, typically I'm not a person who likes to lie, but if you're given the, the freedom to be deceitful and you know, it's not hurting anyone's feelings and you know, it's only for a short time, then it's really fun to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So, but, but then there's other games that are just kind of more, uh, thematic. There's other games that are more, uh, uh, what do you call them? Um, you know, just like thinky kind of games. I, I, I enjoy them all, you know, I, there's times where I've seen people playing at places and I want to go up and talk to them and say hi, but I'm, I am kind of shy and I don't really like to approach folks. So it's, it's been harder for me to, uh, to expand out. I've made some new friends through board gaming and, and met a bunch of new people. And once I'm in there, I can open up, but the initial time I feel very, you know, I get a little social anxiety, you get a little worried about it, but, um, no, it's, it's been great. I've, I've met a lot of really cool people and, um, 
it's fun. I like it a lot. I know what you can do. Like what you got to do if like you're at a restaurant or like a Starbucks or something, just order them like a bowl of clam chowder and they'll just receive chowder. And they're like, what's this clam chowder? And you just pop out saying, did somebody say chowder? I was the creator <laughs> of chowder. Pleased to meet you. So I see you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You got to do yeah. that. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I don't I don't ever mention that to people. I, I kind of keep it on the down low. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know. Like, I'm, do you own any chowder shirts? No, no. I'm pretty modest about it. Like, you know, my wife would yell at me. She because like people be like, "Oh, what do you do?" And I say, "Like, oh, I work on this show at Cartoon Network. I work on this thing. I work on the show chowder." She's like, "Tell them you made it." I'm like, "I it feels like bragging. I don't like saying that. I don't like. I don't like bragging about it." So, oh, man. you know, I don't think it's yeah. like bragging. It's just stating a fact. You know, yeah. you did make I, it. But I think in my head it sound it sounds that way. So you know, I'm getting better about it. But yeah. I still generally don't. It's not something I wear on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, when I'm playing board games, I can just be a regular dude just playing with friends and get my ass kicked or kick other people's asses, and whichever way it's fun, you know. Yeah. Or are you yeah. going online? Which uh, what was your what used to be your online username for Xbox Live? Dr. Shitballs. <laughs> yeah. And obviously and, you can't use that anymore. No, but the best was, so one time, uh, and, you know, and we would, a lot of us on Billy and Mandy, we'd all play together. And, you know, we, we, we'd all call each other by our code names. We meet up with uh, one of my friends that I worked with. His friend had a party. We all go over to his house. Um, and so it's, you know, everyone's introducing themselves as their online name. Essentially, it's like, here's Dr. Shitballs. Here's this person. Here's that. And, you know, my my ex-wife, who was my girlfriend then, was laughing. She's like, yeah, because because the other guy's wife's like, oh, you're Dr. Shitballs. Nice to meet you. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone go. But that basically came out because we'd be playing Halo at work and I would just be swearing a blue. I guess I just make the craziest swears when I play and me yelling like shitballs, nose jam. It's just the weirdest thing coming out of my mouth. As I'm getting a regular James Rolfe. Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, man, like, like if I, if I was in college now, I'd probably try to find a board game group to meet with, Mm -hmm. you know, try to get the, 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 the guts up to go, you know, interact with new people. I'm lucky that, you know, most of the people I work with are pretty cool and, and I meet a lot of people that way. But if I didn't have that, yeah, I'd probably try to find a group. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking back to like a couple of years ago, like there were anime clubs, but there weren't, were there really anything for like Western animation? No, I'm sure, no. I'm sure, I'm sure people like did that in high school and stuff like that. Like I, I wish it had been there because as a kid, like I always, I always felt like my obsession with animation, like didn't really kind of translate over to like other people's worlds. Like I feel, I feel like if there had been something like that, like when I was around like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I would have had a, a bunch more friends than like my core group of like four or five friends. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I kind of I didn't meet animation people until I got to college and met other cartoonists mm-hmm. and found out they, you know, we all would watch Ren and Stimpy. We'd all be into that kind of stuff. And then when I got into animation, that's really where I, I met the people who were into that stuff. Mm-hmm. High school, I didn't really know. I didn't mm-hmm. really know people who liked the same stuff that I liked that, that much. I, I wish I had I, I was uh, when the first day at college um like during our like uh, opening whatever like like the first opening class 
uh, there was some guy with a Zim shirt. And I immediately went over to him like, OK, me and this guy are going to be friends. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and he's still my friend to this day. But it, it's it is kind of like a weird thing when you're in like high school and middle school. It's like everybody's kind of like growing up and watching other stuff. It's like, no, I, I still really like cartoons. Like this is kind of what I want to do when I go lo- get older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's all for the podcast. <laughs> it has been quite the journey. Oh, yeah. This was a great uh, episode. Amen. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. For, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the show, Dr. Shitballs. My pleasure. <laughs> yeah, shit, Dr. Shitballs, creator of Chowder and Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. <laughs> all those shows. <laughs> I'm Pan Pizza. Who are you people? I'm Nolan. Uh, I'm Gables. I'm Gary. And... Shitballs. Dr. Shitballs. I'm, I'm Carl Greenblatt. There he is. Uh, yes. This has been the best day ever. He did the voice finally. <laughs> yes, yes. He did it. You guys, you guys are just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't some believe days, this happened. Some days I wake up and I'm like, I'm gonna play board games today. And then other days I'm like, I'm just gonna play some video games today. And some days I wake up and I just go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Fred Fred Burger is living my life. Yeah. Although what's sad is uh, Maxwell Adams confirmed uh, on his Reddit AMA a few years ago that uh, Fred Fred Burgers only lived for about three years. So oh, oh, this is wait. not the same Fred Fred Burger from the show. This is a different Fred Fred Burger, sadly. Pan, Pan, you did that drawing of uh, Fred Fred Burger at the Cowboy Bebop post. So, Carl, can I please have you say bang from Cowboy Bebop as Fred? Bang? Yeah, like, you know, when Spike Spiegel points the finger gun, he just goes bang and then dies. All right. Bang! No, no, wait. It, was from, it wasn't a cowboy bebop pose. It was from Guru Logan. It was when Kamina was, you know, just. No, it say, was the same pose. It was the same pose. Okay, well, say later, buddy. Okay. Later, buddy? <laughs> that just sounds weird. That's not right. Hang on. This is just. Later, buddy! I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, I love you. J- j- just one more bang since it didn't come up right. Bang! Bang! <laughs> How's that one? Good. Thank you last so one much, Carl. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will edit that in. Okay. And that's all for the podcast. Next video is going to be top 10 uh, more pieces of lost media. Goodbye, every pony. That was fun. <laughs> oh my Thank gosh. You guys. I appreciate Thank you, you so much. My throat hurts. I can't record a song this time, but next time I will. Fuckers. Later, buddy.